Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for December 19th, 2023. It is Tuesday. We are well on our way to Christmas. It's less, well, it's a week, less than a week till Christmas. So I hope you're ready. Man, I I am, but I'm also a last-minute guy. Even though I'm done, technically, I'll still do other things because I have the time. It's a bit of a problem. It's like when you somebody's coming over and you're like, oh, man, when my parents used to visit. And like, oh, man, I got to clean up and clean up. And then you clean up and you're like, yeah, the house is looking pretty good. But then you're like, well, I still got 20 minutes. I'm, I I redust. I'll look for super. I'll clean the TVs. I'll do all sorts of things. Like I'll dust on top of the TV, which nobody ever tests, on, you know, looks on top of the TV. But you sit there and you do all these sorts of things. That's how I am with Christmas. If I've got the time. I'll be like, yeah, you know what? I'll take another walk through this store. I'll go to this store and just just do a quick sort of drive-by and see if there's something there. And there's always something. There's always something. It's like they don't need anything, but you're like, oh, you know what? This'll, Christmas should sneak up on me. If Christmas sneaks up on me, I'd probably save a ton of money because I wouldn't have time to do all this other crap. Anyway, we're doing the Christmas cards today. I'm going to fill out a whole bunch of addresses and all kinds of stuff. It's just, just a, there's no time like the last minute. Anyway, we've got a uh, lot to get to. The book will be given away at the end of the program. And at the end, well, there's not going to be another book this year. So you'll have to wait until the next year. So if you did not enter at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek you have to wait until next year. And then I'll find other books to give away. I just, I'm not going to, I am off next week. I'm going to, I'll see if Dean wants to do it. I don't know if Dean will want to do it because it's Christmas break. But if he wants to do it, he can do it. Otherwise, I'll just put reruns up or something because I am going to take a week off for once. And as, well, there'll be news in that, is it go? I will be back on the radio for those of you wondering and waiting. I will be back on the radio uh, from nine until noon, starting on January second. That's the plan as of now. So those of you who missed me live will have your chance to uh, call up and complain at me. Although I probably won't uh, take any phone calls the first week because a whole bunch of people will be like, "What happened to the other? I like the old lineup," and I just that makes for bad radio. So. I'll probably handle it on my own. But there you go. There's the update. More on that to come as we get closer to Christmas. And I will be doing Boast Nerdly's show this Saturday. So there will technically be a new show on... I'll probably post that on Christmas Day. So I'll post that on Sunday night for Christmas Day. So there will be some new content. But that's just because that's easy and a tap and put. All right. Let us get on with uh, the news because there is news to get on with. I want to play you something from Ginger Goebbels. She's just a horrible creature. My God, Ginger Goebbels does not do what Jen Psaki is and does justice. She is Tokyo Rose's bastard kid. She is just a shameless propagandist. 
And, uh, you know, you sit there and you go, well, is this person a liar from the podium because that's who that's what the job is? Or are they uh, just full of crap because that's who they are as a person? With Ginger Goebbels, it's who they are as a person. It's who she is as a person. There's no question about it. She now has a show on MSNBC, which really doesn't change anything anymore. And that's just sad and pathetic. There is literally nobody out there to stand up to... Uh, to do journalism on MSNBC. The NBC brand is dead. I don't know why anybody would watch it. I don't know anybody who does watch it, but it's just an embarrassment to media that this creature is on their airwaves. Along with Rachel Maddow, people think, oh, Rachel Maddow, she's so popular. She's so smart. She's brilliant. She's a Rhodes Scholar. All you have to do to be a Rhodes Scholar is apply. Really, honestly, if I had known this when I was younger, I would have applied to be a Rhodes Scholar and I might have gotten it. I didn't know how, I had no idea. My education was so poor as far as future planning that I had no idea that you, the way that you do that, I thought that like people were found. They sought out people. You'd be surprised how many awards, rewards, and all this other crap, the accolades. You walk into somebody's office and there's like, uh, here's the This Person of the Year Award, and here's the Best in This, and here's all these awards around their offices, and you think, wow, this person must be great at their job, and journalism awards, and media awards, and radio awards, and all this crap, and it, like, I haven't won any awards. This is terrible. I must suck compared to all these people. No. The way to win these awards is you apply to win these awards. I swear to God, you apply to win these awards. There's an application fee, usually a $100 to $250 application fee. But if you do it, you're almost, not completely, but almost guaranteed to win. Seriously. There are so many different categories from all these. Here's the local Emmys, and here's the local this, and the local Murrows, and this. If you apply... You're almost guaranteed to win because there are so many categories and they control who gets it. As long as you're not overtly conservative, you're going to probably win. You can be conservative. You just can't be super part. You can't insult. You've got to assume everybody on the judging committee is a leftist. So as long as you don't totally insult them, they're like, yeah, they'll throw you a bone because that allows them to say, we're well, not partisan at all. But you just win by applying. That's it. Places I've worked would make a point of everybody's got to put together a package. Everybody's got to do that. And everybody who put together a package, including a guy who just did, you know, wildly misinformed rants on the FM station's morning show, won awards. I'm like, oh, because then the station, the company go, we won all these awards. We won all, they don't tell you. We won these awards because we applied for them and pretty much signed the $250 check and the application fee is a guarantee to win an award. Why? Because the awards are meaningless. They're, they're just there to bolster resumes and make people feel good. And most importantly, they're there as a money-making enterprise for these organizations. I've attended a couple of these things because of other people. And uh, my wife has won some of them. 
and you go to these big, expensive gala events in New York City, like, oh, and the room is just full of people. And the ceremony is like an hour and a half long, and nobody gives acceptance speeches. They're just rolling people through it. Who, who won this award? Who won? And you're like, wow, they're giving away 100 awards here. And you go, wait, 100 times $250, and then you've got to figure there's, I don't know, 10% who didn't get it, whatever. That, that starts to add up to real money, especially when you do East Coast and West Coast versions of these things. That seems like a good money-making proposition, which then cheapens the award. It does. It totally and completely cheapens the award. If everybody who applies gets it, or 90% of the people who applies gets it, uh, and you have to apply to get it, like, is that really an award? This is one of the things that drives me nuts because as a kid and as somebody who was, you know, before I got into this business, I, w- I was still cynical. But you look at this and you, you just assume because they pretend that it does that there are committees for all of these awards, the Pulitzers, the whatevers, that they are out there actively combing through all of the people in the industry, all of what's going on, to find the best, to find the cream of the crop. Oh, let's give a journalism award. We're going to check out all the journalism. People are going to send journalism our way and say, hey, check out this journalism. This is really good journalism. And that merit matters. But no, if you don't apply for it, maybe it's just, well, they're just bringing it to their attention. But the application fee and the fact that they make a profit off of this is, cheapens it even more. But the fact that you have to say, hey, I want this award. I think I deserve this award. And here's why. And then everybody gets the award is just kind of like, I don't know. I find that disingenuous and disgusting. The same thing in radio, the same thing in television. All these things. you got to apply. you got to campaign for it. The Oscar, you know, you find out that they're Oscar campaigns. And you go, why are there Oscar campaigns? You just put the movie out there. People will see the movie. And then they'll go, this movie is either worthy or not. Nope, that ain't how it works. Worthiness has nothing to do with it. Politics infects everything. It's just complete and total garbage. Anyway, my little rant about standards and the death of standards. Now I want to uh, play you a little bit of good old Ginger Goebbels. It's about three minutes long, four minutes long. But I just, it's something I say constantly that we live in completely different worlds from the left. We do. And this is why I recommend you check out, you visit their world every once in a while, get your passport stamped. Don't move there for God's sakes. Don't drink the water. But check it out. Treat it like Mexico. You just go down there and you see what's going on and then you get the hell out of there. Maybe just treat it as like a webcam in Mexico. A webcam in Tijuana. When I was a kid, Tijuana was like, Tijuana is a dangerous town. Now everywhere else in Mexico is dangerous. The cartels are like, we'll stay away from Tijuana. You can have that. So uh, we'll take the rest of the 2,000-mile border and kill people and smuggle people over there. But um, it is, it's important to see what the other side is saying. You can obviously sit there and you can pick apart their language. You can pick apart everything. It's kind of funny. And it's sad and pathetic that this is what sort of passes for intellectual commentary on the left. It truly is. You sit there and you watch this stuff and you go, how in the hell 
does anybody fall for this stuff? How is it that people are so stupid that when you say something obviously false, painfully stupid and obviously false, that there are so many of our fellow Americans who go, yes, I will lap this up. I absolutely believe this. I want you to listen to Ginger Goebbels and see if you recognize the America about which she speaks, because I suspect you will not. Also note the blaring hypocrisy, because that's where the left lives. This week has put on full display the ways in which our country is living in two completely different realities. There is one reality, let's call it Earth, where there is deep concern right now about a four times indicted former president who yesterday continued to echo the language of Adolf Hitler, of all people, by saying immigrants are, quote, poisoning the blood of our country. Here on Earth, there were some big developments this week in one of the criminal cases involving that former president, the one where he's accused of trying to overturn a democratic election. Oh, and I should note that here on Earth, There was also some good economic news, with the Dow hitting a new record high and an announcement that the Federal Reserve is planning to cut interest rates next year. But there is, of course, also an alternate reality right now, one in which none of that matters. In this alternate reality, President Biden is plunging the United States into a depression, even though, again, the Dow just hit a record high. In this alternate reality, President Biden's age alone makes him unfit to serve, while Trump, I would know just three years younger, is somehow seen as the epitome of strength and vitality. And in this alternate reality, it is the current president, Joe Biden, who is now the subject of an impeachment inquiry for a mysterious and sprawling scandal no one can explain involving bribery and corruption. Now, there is, of course, no evidence at all to suggest that any of it is true, But that is still the story that is being mainlined into a huge portion of the country right now. The White House cranking up the spin cycle after a whirlwind 24 hours for America's foreign cash-guzzling father-son duo. Biden family bagman Hunter is also deeply dishonest. The apple really doesn't fall far from the tree. Grift is the Biden family business. The Bidens are like the Sopranos without any of the humor. This is the most corrupt family in the history of the country. This is a Joe Biden scandal. This is going to be ugly and it's going to be it's going to prove that they were dirty, that what they were doing is collecting money with the United States being for sale. It's like a never ending loop of lies and complete innuendo echoing throughout the homes, though, of millions of Americans every single day. But at least Republicans are owning up to one thing. Their motivation. I mean, they're being crystal clear when it comes to what this is all really about. And that's politics, hurting President Biden and, of course, helping Donald Trump. This has been, I think, the most transparent uh, political or uh, 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 congressional investigation since since I've been in Congress for seven years. I think if we don't go down these impeachment routes, a huge part of America is is going to just say, you know, we're not supporting Republicans anymore. There's, you know, this this other issue um, of whether Joe Biden was involved in his in his son's business dealing that I think the American people are looking at as well. So I think all that together is why you see the numbers where they're at. What are you hoping to gain from an impeachment inquiry? All I can see is Donald J. Trump 2024. Maybe. They're not even whispering that in the hallways. They're shouting the quiet part out loud on television over and over again. But their strategy to muddy the waters, to distract from Trump's very real criminal charges, and to make everyone seem equally corrupt, it's kind of working. 
And it isn't constructive to deny that. A new NPR poll shows that 78% of Republicans are in favor of the impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden. Impeachment proceedings, again, with zero evidence. So that is where we are right now, less than a year out from the election. We're not just dealing with a clash of ideas or policies, some of that too, but of two completely different realities. One reality where the concerns are about the wannabe dictator echoing Adolf Hitler, that's happening, and one reality where the concerns are completely fabricated. Now, she's so full of crap, uh, it is astonishing. Of course, you, you love the straw man that she built. There's no reason. There's no understanding. For reasons nobody can understand, there's an impeachment inquiry. It's just so complicated. You don't have anybody on your network. You're forbidden, not that you would if you could, have anybody on to make the case that Joe Biden could be corrupt. Because there sure as hell is a lot of circumstantial evidence. And that circumstantial evidence, by the way, is way more significant than anything related to the Russia-Trump collusion hoax. There was nothing there that was expressly made up by the Clinton campaign, which the Democrat establishment was a part of and knew full well what they were doing. They create this lie, and then everybody still to this day pretends this lie is true. You want to talk about two separate realities, there you go. A reality where people talk about the fact that the president's degenerate son talked to his business associates about hey, we can get things done and my dad wants uh, you to send the money and 10% for the big guy and all that stuff. And then there's a world where none of that exists. It has not been mentioned on MSNBC. You won't find a roundtable discussion with you know serious debate on one side or the other about the corruption of the Biden family. It just doesn't exist. There is none. It is, this is all garbage to the extent to which you can tell a lot about the case somebody can make by the case they try to make, right? The Democrats do not try to defend Joe Biden. They try to distract from the allegations against Joe Biden. There's an important difference there. Think about it. They can't defend it. They can't refute it. They can't deny it. So they deflect. They pretend it's not real. And in the echo chamber we have created for ourselves, especially on the left, where any sort of uh, contrary thoughts and differing opinions are not allowed, you can get away with that pretty easily. Joe Biden isn't corrupt if you can't fathom the prospect. Now, you tell me that any Republican is corrupt, I'll hear you out. I want to hear some evidence. You tell me Donald Trump is, this is one of the things that drives me nuts about the left, is they believe that simply declaring something to be makes it so. That does not work. Donald Trump is the most corrupt, they all say it. What did he do? Well, he uh, tried to steal our democracy. He tried to overturn it. No, he didn't. He filed legal charges. On January 20th, 2021, Donald Trump left the White House. He might have left it in a huff. He might have left it in... He left. He didn't stay. He didn't try to launch a coup. He didn't try to seize power. He didn't try to do anything. For a horrible, heinous dictator, he's really sucky at it. All right? Now, you want to talk about a sore loser? Sure. You want to talk about somebody who won't accept that they lost? Sure. But that, there's nothing wrong with that. Al Gore still runs around. Democrats still run around claiming Al Gore won in 2000. Al Gore did more than Donald Trump ever dreamed of in the 2020, in the 2020 election. Hillary Clinton entertained horrible ideas 
The Hollywood elitists launched an ad campaign to pressure, to intimidate members of the Electoral College into voting for Hillary or at least not voting for Donald Trump to save our democracy. To save our democracy, Democrats have to undermine it. Donald Trump lost. Donald Trump bitched about it. There are certainly law changes. I don't believe that Democrats were committing that much voter fraud in the way that it is portrayed. I think the voter fraud came in the way that the various governors just declared new laws to be in place about elections, and they were, and that allowed a whole lot more people to vote. COVID allowed, that's why the turnout was so high. It took literally no effort. You had to open up an envelope, check a box, and put it in the mailbox. Now, you want to say that ballot harvesting? Well, yeah, okay. But ballot harvesting was made legal in a lot of places. If you can prove to me that millions upon millions of people filled out ballots for other people or dead people or whatever, millions upon millions, not ex you know that it happened, but it happened on a mass scale, then fine. Otherwise, Donald Trump lost. The cheating came in the changing of the rules. Doesn't make it right, just makes it different. But he left. He left. If Joe, if Joe Biden loses, if Democrats lose, I can envision a scenario where they refuse to leave. It's for the good of the country. It's to protect our own democracy. We must declare martial law in order to save our democracy. It's asinine. It's it's ridiculous, but it wouldn't surprise me. I would put nothing past people who can look at all the allegations against Joe Biden. And make no mistake, while Ginger Goebbels' audience doesn't have any idea about the money, about the checks, about the timing of those checks from family members to Joe uh, with the money from China to family members and how it works out to 10% for the big guy and how it's, it, they just declare it to be it's just loan repayment without any proof of an actual loan, her audience doesn't know. Ginger Goebbels knows, which makes her a liar. Her audience is ignorant. There's a difference. If you knowingly tell a mistruth, you're a liar. If you simply don't know the truth, you're ignorant and you're operating from a place of ignorance. The audience of MSNBC is ignorant because MSNBC and NBC News employ liars. And then to sit there and say, for reasons we just don't understand, all these allegations, we can't put our finger... No, you can't. It's amazing what you can't find when you refuse to look for it, isn't it? It's funny how that works out. Yet this is the world that we're constructing. There are two different worlds. One based in reality and the other based on progressive politics. I want to play you something else. This is, again, you're watching the rape of reality. There's no other way to, there are other ways to put it. But I think that calling it the rape of reality is an effective way to put it because, well, it's fitting. This is Randy Weingarten, president of the American Federation of Teachers, talking about school choice. Now, this is really some Orwellian stuff. School choice, the ability to send your child to the school that best suits their needs, be that another public or a private school, whatever, and vouchers. Scares the hell out of unions. It, if you notice, one thing about unions... Nothing terrifies unions more than choice and competition, right? 
Voluntary membership scares the hell out of you. It'll be the death of unions. Why? If you're providing something that is of value to the, your membership, you don't really have to worry about that, right? Country clubs out there, people volunteer to spend a whole bunch of money to join country clubs. Why? Because they get value for their dollar. The money that they pay is, you know, they get more back or enough back to justify it, whatever it is. It's up to, you know, people to figure out. And you sit there and you go, that doesn't make any sense. It does make sense. You get value for it. Now, unions, they take a slice of your pay. And what do you get back? Well, you get job security. Okay, well, nah, there's a difference between job security and an inability to lose your job. Because I think most teachers, good teachers anyway, have confidence in their ability to teach. They have confidence in their ability to teach. The good teachers that I've had were very confident in their ability to teach. They did not actively hide behind tenure. They did not actively hide behind the union contract. But the French teacher who spent a year in prison because her and her husband, my high school, her and her husband were caught trafficking cocaine back from South America one summer when she spent a year away from school and then when her husband cut a deal, I've told this story before, so I'll be quick with it, he cut a deal, turned state's evidence against his partners and uh, in exchange for a lighter sentence and charges being dropped against his wife, well, suddenly she was back at school the next year. She took a year off. She was out for a year because the union. Now, I don't really care that she wasn't convicted. Under normal circumstances, were the union not involved, a person who is involved and arrested for trafficking cocaine who is not exonerated but is, in fact, set free because a deal was cut is kind of a, an admission of guilt. And even if it wasn't her husband being involved in that, you'd say, this is not somebody I want to run, because I don't think her husband... Uh, operated in a vacuum. I think she probably knew what was going on because if you're trafficking cocaine, it's not like you got an extra 20 bucks here and there so you can make an extra trip to McDonald's every now and then. No, you've got a lot of money coming around and there, there's all, you can plead ignorance all you want, but I ain't going to buy it. So when he gets caught and she is implicated, she should have been fired. Regardless of what the outcome was, unless it's exoneration, it should not be who turns state's evidence so charges are dropped. That's not exoneration. She was back. She was back because of the union. Bad teachers get the same raises as good teachers. There is no room for merit at all. And quite frankly, people who are good at their jobs would like very much to be rewarded for being good at their jobs. People who are bad at their jobs are just bad at their jobs and they're grateful that they still get to hold their jobs even though they shouldn't be able to hold their jobs this is not lost on teachers so when the prospect of a right to work state comes along where people have the option to opt out of unions teachers unions they do they also don't like to see their money going to left-wing causes and things like that where that is the priority of the union not necessarily the membership they protect bad bad employees, and they advance left-wing politics. That's it. That's why voluntary membership scares the hell out of them. Same thing with education and school choice. If 
the teachers unions, which really do control the public schools, even if they didn't control public school policy, they are ultimately responsible. You can go to a pep boys, but your individual mechanic is responsible for how well your car runs when it comes out of there. Um, the teachers union controls the people who put the final product together. You can have Wolfgang Puck owns the restaurant and it's his name out there, Ooh, Wolfgang Puck. But if you put me in the kitchen, you're not going to get the same quality of food as you would if it were Wolfie in the kitchen, you see. So the end result matters and the people most responsible for the end result matter. And the idea of students and parents opting out, having a choice, terrifies them. Now, if Wolfgang Puck at a restaurant right next to a restaurant by me, I don't think that Wolfgang Puck would be um, threatened by my restaurant, right? Wouldn't really care that I'm next door cooking up burgers while he's doing whatever the hell it is. I don't even know. All sorts of expensive terms. Because he knows on merit, he'll win. Now, in education, they spend the amount of money you'd spend at Wolfgang Puck's restaurant with Burger King food coming out, with McDonald's quality products, actually with Barth Burgers, if anybody knows you can't do that on television. Barth Burger qualities, uh, quality coming out. That's the difference. But they also, in a very Soviet style, do not want you to be able to go to Wolfgang Puck's or to a McDonald's or to anything else. Here's your burger. Shut your mouth. This is what you get. Again, the prospect of choice, the prospect of voluntary engagement as a customer scares the hell out of leftists, scares the hell out of unions. So listen to Randy Weingarten rape reality and change the definition of terms in order to suit her desire to make, to prop up her own position. I mean, honestly, that's what she's doing here. She is a horrible, horrible creature, childless, I believe. But she says, and, and you sit there and you go, well, why is somebody who's childless have so much power over children's education. She represents the union. She represents the teachers. She doesn't give a single damn about the student at all. That's not her job. She pretends to because it's useful to protect her membership and deflect from things like school choice. But she doesn't give a damn ultimately about students. But listen to Randy Weingarten say that choice, school choice, undermines democracy. They have not one thing that they offer as a solution other than privatizing or voucherizing schools, which is about undermining democracy and undermining civil discourse and undermining pluralism, because 90% of our kids go to public schools still. They just divide, 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 divide. Now you got to love that. They don't offer anything as a solution except for what would actually be a solution. Right? Voucherizing or privatizing schools. They just divide, 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 divide. They, well, I'm sorry, you little bridge troll, but sitting there talking about half the country or more than half the country when it comes to the idea of school choice and referring to them as they and they do that and otherizing them like that is, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, yeah, a little bit divisive, right? 
on top of all the lying. But it's wildly divisive, is it not? <laughs> they just divide. The left always says, they just divide, 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 divide. And they always accuse us of doing what they do. But who is it that sits there and keeps the racial clicker and says, how many of this one, how many of that one? We must have this many of that one and this many of the other ones. They're bitching. There was something the other day about um, women. Women in... Uh, what is it? I'm going to look this up because it's going to drive me nuts. I tweeted about it because there's just the possibility, the prospect, whatever. There it is. L'Oreal. This is from Axios. It's an ad that they were running on Twitter. I don't know why L'Oreal must have paid them a ton of money. L'Oreal Group. Just 33.3% of scientific researchers are women worldwide. Meet five women scientists who are breaking the glass ceiling. Well, I retweeted that with... A couple of obvious points, I think. First, if a third of them are already women, then the glass ceiling was shattered a long time ago, is it not? As soon as one goes through, the glass ceiling is shattered. So if you got a third are women, the glass ceiling is gone, all right? you got a sunroof at this point, do you not? But then what about the prospect that women just aren't interested in, in doing this kind of job? Or not all women are. Not a, there aren't a whole bunch of women just sitting outside going, oh, shucks, I wish I could be a scientist, a research scientist, but I can't because I pee sitting down. They won't let me. They keep me out. No, that's not the case at all. If you look at schools right now, colleges, for the sciences, there are far more women in those majors than there are men. Why? Because there's this big push for women to go into these things, and it's been there for a long time. Women are being denied in STEM and blah, 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 blah. Okay, they major in it. They go to school for it, and then they don't work in it. It's weird right? Maybe they're just not interested. People are allowed to make their own choices for now. The left doesn't want you to make your choice. They want to assign you certain things. Oh, you're this skin color. We want. To, we need more of you in this field. I have no aptitude for it. I have no interest. In it. it doesn't matter. We need more people who look like you in this field. Get in there and do it. It's medicine. I don't want to say it doesn't matter. Just get in there. We, we've lowered the bars for you to get in anyway. I have no skills. It doesn't matter. You're in. I have no desire. It doesn't matter. We need you there. Equity, equity, equity. You can become a slave to equity. It's weird how that works. Yet there's no fight to bring this equity for women into, say, professional sports, right? But not talking about women's sports, but let's get some ladies out there on the gridiron, right? I want to see a female quarterback. I want to see the best female quarterback out there in uh, girls' flag football put on the shoulder pads and a helmet and go out there and quarterback in the NFL. I think it, she wouldn't do it. But if she did, if she were forced to, after she got out of the hospital from the first snap from scrimmage and the first sack that she took, I suspect she wouldn't go back out there because there's differences. There's a reality, and then there's what Democrats say. So in a way, Ginger Goebbels is true, but she is, and her side is, the architect of that bizarre, fuzzy world where you can make Joe Biden's age being an issue simply about the number, which allows you to say Donald Trump is only three years younger than him, rather than about the obvious signs of senility that Joe Biden is showing. It doesn't matter chronologically what age Joe Biden is. You cut him in half and count the rings is irrelevant. What happens, the problem is, 
his cognitive issues, his health issues. Some people have early onset Alzheimer's. Not Joe. It seems to be setting in in the sunset of his life. Not Alzheimer's. He's obviously just lost step. It's dementia. It's it's age related. Some people into their 90s still have their mental capacity, their full mental capacity. Joe is starting off as a disadvantage because he's always been stupid. So, you know, but so deteriorations are more pronounced. But the problem is the deterioration of his mental capacity, not his chronological age. Okay, you can say a lot of things about Donald Trump. You look at him and you think not a paragon of health, not a paragon of health, certainly not a paragon of virtue. But as far as the physical thing, he's still got his mental capacity there. You can dislike his mental capacity. There's a lot about his mental capacity that I do not particularly care for. The ego side of his brain needing to be fed constantly. That being said, he is not senile. You could argue you don't like him and he's crazy or whatever, but you can't argue that he's senile. You never get the sense that Donald Trump has no idea where he is, how to leave a stage, what he's talking about, what's going on around him or anything like that. You know that he knows what's going on. You know that he knows what he's doing. Joe Biden finishes, looks around and goes, I, uh, geez, I don't know. Who is this? Where am I? Why am I here? You can argue it shtick all you want, but let's be honest. <laughs> it sure as hell doesn't look like when it's constant and done at inconvenient times. It is uh, it doesn't really look like shtick, does it? I don't think it does. All right, that's about enough for today, I say, I say, I say. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the only reason I assume anybody actually listens all the way to the end, to find out who won what and which contest. Well, this contest was special. It was the Rolling Stones. Bill Wyman autographed big-ass book, like a weapon. And uh, only I only had one copy. I don't even have a copy for myself. So you're getting all that exists. And this one goes to Leif Coleman. If your name isn't Leif Coleman, I apologize. But if you're not, congratulations to Leif. By the way, you'll be getting a message from me in a bit asking for your address. And then I'll get that out to you as quickly as possible. But because I feel riddled with guilt, people really wanted this book. And I wish I had a thousand copies to give it away. And I wish I had, you know, every, I, I wish I could give everybody everything. I'd like to buy the world a Coke. But I can't, I'd be a horrible Santa. I'd give everybody everything. And I'd be a horrible executioner because I'd just go, well, can't we just kill them all? So since I can't give everybody an autographed book, uh, I, I decided to do, and I alluded to this earlier in the week, and then I never said anything about it because I'm an idiot and forgot about it. But I remembered it because I'm sitting there going, oh, man, I feel so bad about not being able to give other people stuff. And I'm sorry, I feel bad by not being able to give everybody everything. But I decided to do the top three. So Leaf wins the Bill Wyman book. And then I went into my boxes and I pulled up an autographed copy of Ted White and Blue by Ted Nugent, the Motor City Madman. And I, uh, I got this. I had Ted Nugent on the show ages ago when I was on radio. And it was, oh God, he's from Detroit. I forget what he was even promoting. I think he was coming to Baltimore. And so I, they offered him and I had him on and he had to be bleeped a couple of times. 
But it was fun. I've, I grew up listening to Ted on WRIF when he'd sit in with Drew and Mike in the mornings and just ramble on and ramble on. And so I asked his assistant who'd set it up. I said, look, is it possible if I sent you? I had the book. I'd gotten, I think it was around the radio station, actually. I had the book, and I said, look, if it's, is there a way I could send you this book to get it autographed? You know, I'd love to, to have it autographed. And um, she said, well, why don't you just give me your address, and I'll just send you an autographed book plate. And so uh, that was as good as anything. So I sent her my address. She mailed me directly, promptly out a, a signed book plate. I put it directly in the book, and that is what you'll be getting. The number two person is Julie Bosky. Julie, Bo I know it's, you know if you like the Rolling Stones, it's a possibility you like Ted Nugent. Rock and roll. Ted's probably never going to make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but that's mostly because of his politics. I don't think there were there weren't very many people bigger in the '70s than Ted Nugent. And then it kind of, I mean, I guess Damn Yankees was okay in the 80s. But congratulations, Julie. You've got an email from me somewhere asking for your address and letting you know about it. If you don't want Ted Nugent, maybe we could work something out. And the number three winner in the contest. This is uh, for, this is another book that I just kind of bought because you come across these books that are, I, I used to be an addict for signed books. I'd go to book signings. I'd do everything. Go book this, book that, blah, blah, blah. And I felt bad. Or I, I, I'd spent too much money on it. So I, that's why I ended up with boxes and boxes of signed books in the basement. I really should. Um, some of them are pretty valuable. I should probably try and sell them, actually. Not super valuable, but, actually, you know, Premier Collectibles, if their rare signed book section is any indication, then they are valuable, but they charge, I don't know if they actually sell any of them. They charge like an arm and a leg for signed books, uh, like nobody's for $500. So if that's the case, I'm rich and I'm going to retire, but I don't think they're moving them. If they are, or they're willing to pay like half of that, then I'll be doing all right. But anyway, you don't need to know any of that because the... Uh, the winner of third place is a guy named Steve. He goes by Proud AZ Dad, Proud Arizona Dad. I guess he's, there's, his last, there's his last name, but Steve is good enough. He goes by Proud AZ Dad on uh, the interweb. So congratulations to you. You win John Grisham Camino Island, autographed by John Grisham himself. That's probably some kind of... Uh, resale value on all of these so good congratulations to all the winners i apologize for everybody not being able to get something i wish i could but i just ain't rich if i ever hit it big one day it's gonna make it rain with signed books or whatever but up until then i appreciate the hell out of the support and the signed book contest will be back next year which is only a couple weeks away so fear not Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Have a great one. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow. See you then.